As a collegiate wrestler, I would fluctuate my body weight anywhere between 8 to 11 pounds in a typical week. So I wrestled in the 165-pound weight class, so that means you have to weigh in it at or under 165 to be able to wrestle. Um, and I would typically do that like on a Saturday morning for a tournament or a dual meet or whatever the competition was. And then by Sunday night or Monday, I would probably be up to my kind of walking around weight at 173 or 175. And then I would start the whole process of losing that weight again. And week in and week out, I would gain and lose that about 10 pounds week to week. And often people are like, why did you do that? And the reason for that was so I could stay as big and as lean as possible for my weight class. So if I lost eight pounds and I could feel good when I was actually going out to wrestle and someone else only lost two or three, I'm going to have an edge in terms of size and strength on that person. Was this healthy? (laughs) Absolutely not. There was clear consequences to overtraining while simultaneously being malnourished and dehydrated all at the same time. But I'd argue that for most wrestlers, it's a sacrifice that's really needed to compete at a high level. Like that is a really ingrained part of the culture for wrestling. And manipulating your body for sport definitely takes many different forms. But today, I want to take this conversation to optimizing for fitness performance. Hey, it's Ben Wise, and this is The Fitness Movement. Fitness Movement is brought to you by Zor Fitness. Zor Fitness is my company and my platform to deliver incredible training-related content to people just like you. I don't just podcast. I write in-depth fitness articles. I break down common movements in the sport of fitness. I program workout plans, and I offer one-on-one coaching for competitive and recreational athletes. And the best part is most of what I have on ZorFitness.com is totally free. Check out these resources by going to ZorFitness.com. That's Z-O-A-R Fitness.com. Hope to see you there. And welcome back to my rant on optimizing your body for fitness performance. And before I jump into it, I want to give some more examples about different sports. So I'm going to go through cycling and strongman, two more examples. And this is just for anybody who's listening who might not even care necessarily about uh, CrossFit performance or just kind of general fitness performance. They just want to optimize for something else. And that is perfectly fine. And I want this podcast to be applicable to as many different segments of the population that are listening to this as possible. And so I think these kind of two extremes here that I'm going to go through really illustrate all kind of the different spectrum of sports that someone could be optimizing for and how you're going to change your body and how these principles that we can pull out would apply to you regardless if you're trying to optimize for cycling, strongman, CrossFit, or any other number of sports that you could optimize for, like I already described wrestling. So I'm going to break down cycling and strongman. I'm going to pull out principles from each one of those that we need to apply to whatever our fitness performance goal is. So I'm going to start off this by reading a quote from Lance Armstrong. Most people think when I get off a bike ride after a six-hour session in the saddle, I eat everything in sight. And naturally, I feel like I deserve it. But I'm already on the heavy side for climbing and I can't afford an extra kilo of body weight, so I have to be very careful about how much I'm eating. I remember sitting down on my birthday and only having this pathetic little piece of cake. I remember that quote vividly from this documentary that I watched. It also said that if he puts on a half kilo, that that's going to slow him down 11 seconds per kilometer on a climb. And that is a massive difference when a 3,500 kilometer race that would be the Tour de France comes down to a few minutes or even potentially seconds. And in 2007, Alberto Contador beat Cadell Evans by 23 seconds. That was the GC, the entire race. After 91 hours of racing in the Tour de France, it came down to 23 seconds. That is the narrowest of margins. And that half kilo would be a massive difference in the overall picture of that race. One of the things I want us to pay attention to is 
Not that you can't eat much as an elite cyclist, because that would actually be far from the truth. Most Tour de France racers are going to average anywhere from six to 8,000 calories per day. Like that's what their nutritionist is going to be making sure that they're getting in terms of caloric load day to day in that three week race. So we have to realize where Lance is sitting relative to everyone else and why he's doing this. So there's going to be three principles that I want to extract from this example. Number one is that we have to prioritize power to body weight ratio. We could always say strength to body weight ratio, and that's part of it too. But I would say power is probably more significant and has more transferability to all kinds of sporting endeavors and not just weightlifting or powerlifting. But this prioritization of the power to body weight ratio is especially important when we're talking about cyclical movements that involves locomotion. So you actually moving your own body versus like spinning an erg and any sort of gymnastics movement. So this is road running. This is riding bike. This is double unders, burpees, pull-ups, handstand push-ups. Any of those sort of movements is what we're talking about. We have to optimize and prioritize the power to body weight ratio. And then the second principle I want to pull out is the fact that we need to minimize our relative weaknesses. So Lance Armstrong was heavier than most of the people that he was competing against in terms of GC, like the general standings. So he needed to minimize the fact that he was not as good at climbing. He was already pretty good at the individual time trials where you're like you're on solo riding on like relatively flat trains, a shorter distance. But in terms of these really long, grueling climbs, that was where he was weak compared to the competition. So in order to minimize that weakness, he really needed to focus on low his body weight, number one, because of the competition, but also because of the actual terrain of the race. So the actual given testing scenario is also going to really matter in terms of you manipulating your body weight to maximize for your sport and in order for him to maximize his ability to, in this case, ascend mountains. And then the third principle that we're going to pull out here is manipulating your body size. It happens in the off season. So Lance's birthday is in September and the Tour de France happens in June. So when they were filming that documentary and he was saying that and he had that memory of not being able to eat his cake, that happened in September. He was manipulating his body weight in the off season. At that point, his mileage is going to be low. I mean, low is definitely relative. He was still riding way more bike than any of us ever would. But he's taking that time to manipulate his body weight. When it comes to the actual race, I guarantee you he is fueling very similarly to all the other riders in the Tour de France. And in order to maximize your output across a three-week event, that is something that you 100% have to do. Like you can't underfeed and also perform at that level. So if we're talking about manipulating our body size or shape or composition, we have to do that in the off season. So let's talk about strongman. Strongman is basically all strength or strength endurance tests where it's maybe, you know, anywhere from a five second duration to maybe up to 90 seconds and that'd be a long event for them. So it's all tests with an external load. So it could be a yoke. It could be stones, barbells, throwing kegs, any of these odd object movements that they're being tested in. They're all external load. And if you want to be impressed, go watch the Born Strong documentary on Netflix. It follows these four athletes. As part of this film, one of the more obvious things is the price that these athletes were paying with their bodies. And I remember as part of this documentary, them interviewing Eddie Hall and him admitting that if he continues to eat in the volume and the quantity and the quality of food that he has to in order to keep on that size, that he's going to die in a few years and that he just wanted to win the world's strongest man so then he could lose some weight so he could actually live longer, which is just an insane thing for most people to think about is just sacrificing to that kind of degree where you have to consume that much food. And when you're consuming that much food, you can't eat all whole food. Like you can't get all your calories from broccoli. Like you're going to have to get pasta and like these heavier things that are super calorically dense and oftentimes just less healthy overall. But if you're trying to prioritize for your sport and that's the one thing that you care about, that's just a price that you have to be willing to pay. 
And these guys, they're eating until they're sick. And then they're doing that every single day and taking no days off from them and giving their body no time to kind of catch up. Their digestive system never gets a break. Their GI tract is always processing something. And it's just a huge price that they're going to be willing to pay. And if you want more on the eating, go YouTube Brian Shaw diet. That would be certainly entertaining. Also, Google Eddie Hall and just like see the size of this guy. This guy was 5'9", and he was 433 pounds at his peak weight. I can't imagine someone who's barely taller than me and they weigh over double what I do. It's just astounding to see what these guys can do. And the principles that I want to pull out from this, two things. Number one, mass moves mass. So increasing your body weight is the easiest way to improve your ability to move an external load. So something other than your own body weight. Obviously, if we're trying to move ourselves, the idea is that power to body weight ratio. Whereas if we're talking about just moving an external load and making that as easy as possible, the bigger you are, the easier that's going to be. And then the second principle is overeating or undereating, by the way, is unhealthy. And this certainly isn't something that's sustainable. If you're someone who's overeating or undereating, neither of those are sustainable, but it may be necessary for you to optimize for your sport if you want to compete at a high level and if your sport is on the extreme. So if we take this now and these five principles that I just pulled out, when you apply them to the sport of fitness, that's basically what I'm going to be doing for the rest of this episode. The first thing we have to realize is that for athletes who are actually competing in the sport of fitness, luckily, whether it's maybe by design or coincidence, who knows, but you picked a sport that requires a variety of physical abilities, which is great because you're probably going to be allowed to be somewhere in that bell curve where you aren't forced to manipulate as strongly compared to people who are in sports where they are really forced to manipulate their body really hard up or down. In a lot of these sports, we're going to see a lot more of the eating disorders, people with anorexia or bigorexia or whatever the case may be whether it's gymnastics, endurance racing of some kind, whether it's wrestling or ballet or strongman or bodybuilding, like all those examples are where people are going to try to manipulate their body size or potentially shape much more aggressively in order to be successful at their sport. And again, luckily for you in the sport of fitness, we have to be good at a variety of physical tasks naturally from the sport and how it's scored. So in order to be good at this, you sort of have to not be on an extreme. And just realistically, this is probably healthier for a lot of people. Not to say that CrossFit is not extreme and it's not super demanding and physically exhausting and potentially having issues for people who are competing in it long term, but it's something to think about nonetheless. Okay, so let's circle back through each of these five principles. The first one being prioritize power to body weight ratio. So in the sport of fitness, this means, first of all, locomotion activity. So things where you are running, cycling, where you're actually moving, not just sitting on an erg, like kayaking on the water, like rowing on water, stand-up paddle boarding, rucking, obstacle courses, like all these different things where you're actually having to move. Secondly, you'll be bounding activities where you're not necessarily moving through space, but you're definitely manipulating your own body weight still. So things like double unders, like box jumps, like box jump overs, like burpees, like all those sort of activities. Three would be hanging gymnastics. So um, actually, we don't have as many of these as probably people think. Uh, chest bar, toes bar, bar muscle up, ring muscle up. We could say dips, although that's sort of redundant. Rope climbs. Again, we have obstacle course elements like maybe a cargo rope or monkey bars, things like that. And in those hanging gymnastics, there's really only three or four that are actually super relevant for online qualifiers. And then number four is inverted gymnastics, so handstand walks and handstand push-ups. So really for an online qualifier, this is only going to be double unders, probably some box jumps and burpees, and then the big five. 
which is muscle-ups, which is both bar and ring, chest-to-bar, toes-to-bar, handstand push-ups, and handstand walks. Those are the five, which is exactly the reason why I actually wrote Gymnastics Density for the Big Five, that program, is because really that's what people need to be focusing on for online qualifiers, those five elements. If you focus on those five for your gymnastics, you're going to be set. So for those four elements, the locomotion, the bounding, hanging gymnastics, and inverted gymnastics, we have to then ask ourselves, will manipulating my body to make myself better at these activities improve my performance in the sport? So I'll take this two different directions. Number one, if you're someone who is worse in that particular area than your competition, and you're above average in terms of your total body size, body weight, body fat, then probably, you're probably going to have benefit in your sports performance by lowering your body weight or body fat. On the other hand, if you're someone who is better in this particular area than your competition and you're below the average in terms of your total body size, body weight, or body fat, then certainly not. Like lowering your body weight would actually have an inverse effect. Like that'd be one of the worst things that you could do to improve your total sports performance is manipulate your body weight down. So the question we have to be asking ourselves from that is what's average? I like mentioned average athlete. What's the average athlete? I'm talking about the average person that you compete against or that you would like to compete against. Like if you got to the level that you wanted to. So let's just say this is a person who wants to compete at a sanctioned CrossFit event. They need to be thinking about an average in terms of the average sanctionals athlete. So for a male, this would be someone who's five foot nine, 195, about 8% body fat. That's the average. For a female, it's 5'5", 145 pounds, 15% body fat. So in terms of average, that is what we're comparing ourselves against if you want to be that particular athlete. If we're talking about endurance running performance, that's going to be completely different. If we're talking about recreational or elite strongman, like all of these demographics are going to be different depending on what you want to compete in and what level you want to compete at in those sports. So if you're someone who's actually interested in competing in CrossFit and you want more on that sanctionals level athlete that I talked about, I wrote an article called What is the Best Body Type for CrossFit? I'm going to link to that in the show notes. So once again, that will be ZorFitness.com slash podcast slash 012 this episode number. So if we go back to that athlete, and let's just pretend this person is now a male and they're 5'11", so they're taller than the average, they're 235, so they're heavier than the average, and they're 11% body fat, which is a little bit over fat compared to the average. And then for a female, that'd be like 5'8", 185, 17% body fat. So once again, all a little bit on the high side for those relative to the average. And for that person, they're pretty good at like throwing around some big weights. And every time a workout that is kind of dense in gymnastics comes up, they're going to kind of tumble down the leaderboard. Then you're going to be best served by losing some weight because that will actually bring up your performance in those gymnastics dense workouts so that you can actually hold your own and perform at a higher level on the average. However, if we take someone who's very similar, we'll say they're like maybe 5'10", uh, 205, and 11% body fat for males, or like 5'6", 160, 17% body fat. So very close to that person that I just talked about. And for this person, they still can't do a muscle up. They still can't snatch the body weight. And for that person, they really don't need to focus on losing weight yet. If their goal is actually can be, I'm not saying it is, by the way, but if that is their goal, um, then they just need to be focusing on getting better in all the movements and all the skills in the sport and improving these more so general qualities. So we also kind of have to think about what is your performance across the board in these different elements. Anyway, that'd be a much more in-depth discussion. I'm going to move on to principle number two, which is needing to minimize your relative weaknesses. And I'm kind of touching on this already. Um, and these kind of blend together. But let's just say it's clear that gymnastics or bodyweight bearing locomotion activities are going to be a weakness for you. 
and let's just say that it's also clear that your body weight and body fat is kind of the cause for that, then you should begin to gradually kind of push your physiology, let's call it, in that direction. So in other words, you're going to train and fuel in a way that is reflective of that. So you're going to do more gymnastics work. You're going to do more body weight bearing locomotion work. You're going to eat more vegetables and you're going to eat more nutrient dense, calorically sparse foods. You're going to drink more water and less things with calories. And we could go on and on with this. Like you have to have your life be a reflective of what you need and the demands and how you're trying to push your physiology. So let's take that and we'll compare this to someone who, again, is contrasting of this, who is kind of the opposite, whereas if it is clear that external loads and erg-based cyclical movements are going to be a weakness for you, and it's also clear that your body weight or body fat or both is a cause for that relative weakness, then let's start to gradually push your physiology in that direction. So again, we could say training and fueling in a way that's going to be reflective of that. So do more weightlifting work, do more bodybuilding style workouts and more accessory work, and then do most of your quote, engine work on ergs. And then paired along with that, you just eat lots of real food. So in terms of minimizing relative weaknesses, I'm going to keep this really simple. You just have to figure out what you're not as good at and figure out ways to improve yourself in that thing. And that doesn't just go for your programming, it goes for how you're trying to manipulate your body over the long term as well. Our third principle here is manipulating your body size. That happens in the off-season. So the off-season isn't just about kind of taking time off, so to speak. Yes, that certainly has its place in an athlete's season. However, this also is a time for making larger changes that are going to set you up for success when your competitive season actually rolls around again. And it's not necessarily to provide an immediate boost in your fitness performance. So this is one of the most common errors I see with younger athletes and for people that don't have an experienced coach is that they try to make progress all the time. For athletes at the top of their sport, the offseason is a time for them to get worse at their sport temporarily so that they can actually perform well again once their competitive season rolls around. So the whole point of the offseason is for you to kind of regroup, make bigger changes, reset everything so that you can gear up for your next season again. It's not for you to push just as hard as you did during competition prep and then break yourself. The goal is for you to be a tad conservative and allow your body to recover and then to start manipulating and making bigger changes so that you can set yourself up for success once your competitive season actually rolls around. So I have three different examples here that I think could probably illustrate this point. So let's say you're a person who is really good at weightlifting. And in the offseason, you spend the majority of your training time on gymnastics and more so endurance activities. Then your weightlifting maxes are probably going to dip a little bit. If you're someone who's trying to ultimately drive up your one rep maxes and you're trying to do that through putting on more body size and you do that by taking a hypertrophy cycle or like a bodybuilding protocol, then you're actually going to drive down your one rep maxes during that hypertrophy work because the volume of your lifting is going to be so high. However, over the long term, that can potentially allow for you to hit new ceilings for one rep maxes. And if you're someone who's trying to lose weight, In your off-season, if you reduce your caloric intake dramatically in order for you to actually lose weight, then you're likely going to lack the energy that you would have normally for training so that you can't train as hard and you can't recover as quickly, which would be, again, a really poor recipe for fitness performance during a competitive season. But in the off-season, that can allow you to minimize your relative weaknesses and perform better than you ever would have during your actual competitive season. Again, the biggest thing here is all these things are going to allow you to perform better Once your season actually rolls around and you go back into a more balanced program, the off season is not a time for you to be balanced. The off season is a time to prioritize recovery. And then once you're going to get back into training, then prioritizing your relative weaknesses. 
Principle number four, mass moves mass. And as I said before, if we're talking about strength in terms of external load, moving something other than yourself, the easiest way to get better at moving external loads is by increasing your body weight. Now, it's totally possible for you to improve your strength and at the same time, you know, maintain your body weight or potentially even lower your body weight. And by the way, that's totally what I recommend for athletes who are kind of big and tall relative to their competition. If we're talking about the sport of fitness, that's what they should be focusing on, trying to get stronger in gymnastics movements, especially while kind of holding their weight or lowering their weight and totally get stronger. But at the same time, just being able to improve their strength to body weight or power to body weight ratio dramatically. But for shorter, lighter athletes, the easiest way for them to put on the strength that they need is for them to maximize their muscle mass on their frame, as long as they're not actually sacrificing body composition too much. And coming into the sport of fitness, this was, and it totally still is, me. I was really good at anything that was manipulating my own body weight, whether that was like gymnastics, like pull-ups and push-ups, burpees. I was really good at longer locomotion activities like, like running and biking. And there was really two reasons for this. Number one was, like I said before, I was like a wrestler. And most of my life I've spent in activities where my body weight does matter because I'm having to manipulate my own body weight. Whether I was in wrestling or soccer or track and field or triathlon or all these different activities, I had to manipulate my own body weight. And for that reason, I always kept a lower body weight and always focused on that strength to body weight ratio. And ultimately, I believe this was helpful, but I still had to prioritize my relative weaknesses. So I had to get better at throwing around a barbell in particular. And so for me, I went back to principle number three. I was gaining weight in the off season and that would kind of back off that weight gain as I was approaching in competition. And also this was just kind of occurring naturally because I was doing more aerobic and mixed mode work. And then I would kind of follow this natural cycle of putting on a few pounds in the off season and then losing a few pounds in competition prep. And this is something that I just kind of felt natural, sustainable, and ultimately healthy and simultaneously actually kept my body fat percentage really low. And this is just this natural cycle of allowing yourself to go through a caloric surplus. And then after you've done that for a period of time, allowing yourself to back off to a maintenance diet and kind of get healthy and allow all those systems to recover and come back online. So for other people, that's something that I recommend. It's just following that undulating pattern of going into a surplus, coming back down to maintenance. Or if you're going the opposite direction, we're trying to lose weight, go from caloric deficit to back to maintenance, caloric deficit back to maintenance. Whether if you try to hold either one of those, a surplus or a deficit too long, you're going to have problems. And then the other thing I want to address as we're talking about body weight here in particular is understanding that if you're trying to manipulate your body weight, you have to be very honest and open with yourself, whether you really care more about performance or aesthetics. And I think for most people that care about both, but there has to be a separation there as well. So I'll be the first to admit that usually I say that, oh yeah, I care more about performance. But once I start to put on some weight and kind of look pudgy again, because I'm getting really strong, I dial back in some of my nutrition just because I don't like feeling that way. And so it's really important that as a coach, as an athlete, that you're being honest with yourself. Like, what do you really care about? And it's perfectly fine. Like if you care about either one, like no one's going to be upset if you come to the realization that you just really want to look good. Like that's perfectly fine. And for me, this is actually one of the reasons why I chose CrossFit is because there is a certain body type that performs well in the sport and that kind of aligned with what I wanted to look like. So in order to be good at CrossFit, I could also look a certain way. And I actually really appreciated that about the sport. And if I compare that to when I competed in triathlon, I really enjoyed that sport and I enjoyed the training and every aspect about it, except the fact that in order to be good at that sport, I really had to lose probably 20 or 30 pounds of muscle mass to be at kind of an ideal race weight. And that's something that I really didn't want to sustain. And that's actually one of the reasons why I chose the sport of fitness was because it would allow me to have a certain body type that I wanted um, and I'd allowed myself to look a certain way as I was actually trying to go after sports performance. 
Anyway, it's not right or wrong, whatever you're going after. It's just a matter of actually being honest and open with yourself and kind of having that conversation um, and allowing that to actually take place. And then the last principle here is overeating or undereating is unhealthy. And while either overeating or undereating isn't sustainable, that's something that's totally not sustainable, um, that it may be necessary for a period of time, again, in order to optimize for your sport. Um, this is a quote by Matt Chan that I remember him giving in one of his lectures on nutrition. He said, there is no healthy way to overfeed or underfeed an organism. So if you see it fit to be manipulating your body weight for sports performance, then you should be cycling in and out of that caloric deficit or surplus whether you're trying to manipulate your body weight up or down with a maintenance diet. So maintaining that deficit or that surplus for over a long period of time is not sustainable, so you shouldn't be trying to sustain it. And what happens if someone tries to sustain a caloric surplus for way too long? Well, their GI system is going to get bogged down because they don't get any breaks. Like at no point are they not processing food. They're going to be exposed to way more chronic disease. So like heart disease, diabetes, types of cancers. Um, they're going to have more autoimmune issues. They're just going to have more inflammation as a whole. Like all these things are going to be leading to negative aspects in performance. If you try to hold that long term. Likewise, if you're somebody who tries to hold a deficit too long, you're, you're just malnourishing yourself, to be honest. So you don't have enough macronutrients that you need. You don't have the micronutrients. You don't have the vitamins and minerals that you need. You're going to be exposing yourself to things like osteoporosis, anemia, which, I mean, ultimately, that's just going to be chronic fatigue and under-recovery, and that's not a place that we want to find ourselves in. So the solution is for us to be cycling in and out of that deficit or surplus with a sustainable diet that is kind of well-balanced and works long-term. So if you're someone who is trying to manipulate your weight for sports performance or just because you want to look a certain way and have a certain aesthetic, realize that that is potentially a noble thing to go after, but it can have consequences if you don't allow yourself to fit that into your overall scope of your life. And as always, let me know if you have any questions. My email is benadswarfitness.com related to optimizing your body for fitness performance. Here at the end of the podcast, I just want to take a moment to thank you. Whether you've been here since the very first episode or you just started listening, either way, I'm super thankful that you're here. And I love hearing from you guys. If you're on Instagram, shoot me a DM at ben.wise or at Fitness. And while I have your attention, I want to ask you for a favor. And that is just for you to continue to support the show by continuing to listen, continuing to share these episodes with your friends that would enjoy it, continuing to review it or give it a rating. And by the way, I'm going to keep offering those free programs indefinitely as a way to say thanks for that. And then the last thing I want to really encourage you to do is to get on our email list. So that is where I send out all of my free content that I create. And as an email subscriber, you're going to get early access to all the content that I put out through Zor. So if you want to stay up to date in terms of what I'm putting out, what I'm creating, that's where you should go to sign up. The easiest place to do that is just warfitness.com, the homepage. Plus, when you sign up on the homepage, you get a free download of the Cyclical Supremacy program. So be sure to head over there. And until next time, stay the course.